0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Pray over them for God to establish them in your heart. Amen. Especially if they are new, uh, new concept, new revelation that the Lord brought to you in the course of the teaching from Lisa or from myself, Uh, spend time to do that. And of course, the last one is study the book of Hebrews again on your own. Use the study notes we provided you. Your own notes, um, and I want I mention in there that remember that Revelation is progressive. Revelation is progressive. What you know yesterday, the Lord will bring further layers, further layers, further layers from glory to glory, from glory to glory. Amen. So that's the homework. So now that we got that out of the way, um, let's get into the material we have. So I spent pretty much all of my time last time on Hebrews 11, and I didn't even get past the first couple of verses. So I'm going to try my best today to cover, uh, let's start with Hebrews 13, because I know if I start in Hebrews 11, that's where we're gonna stay. So let's start in Hebrews 13. And then we'll go to Hebrews 12, and then we'll finish at Hebrews 11. So we kind of walk our way backwards. (laughs) Praise God. So uh, let's read Hebrews Hebrews 13, and then we're going to take off. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, beginning from verse 1, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. In other words, they did not know they were entertaining angels. Uh, Remember the prisoner as if change with them. Those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. I'm impressed to share something, so I'm going to stop. So talking about entertaining angels, a man of God got a revelation through a prophet. The Lord said, I'm going to visit you. So he was preparing himself, you know, fasting, and he's, he's a leader over a church. So they had a program that was going on in the church. So he was preparing himself and getting ready and, and all of that good stuff. So on, on this particular day, it was a rainy, rainy day, yucky, rainy day. So they were getting ready for service like tonight. People are coming in and people sitting down. And so the pastor happened to, you know, like Pastor Tom would do, happened to be checking things around, making sure things are in order and all that. And so he saw some guy, a homeless guy, clearly, because of the way he was attired and everything, no shoes, uh, almost like his rear end hanging out, all of that stuff. You know, homeless, they have no proper attire. So he went to the homeless person, And they have um, used clothes and fairly used clothes that they keep in the church, very similar to what we do with uh, House of Mercy. And so they got some food because it was cold, it was raining out. They got some food for this person and then they served him and they got him some water and they got him some shoes. I think if I remember the story correctly, I think the pastor actually took his shoes because they couldn't find a shoe that fits him. And so he took his shoe and gave it to him, and uh, they were taking care of him. And a few minutes, you know, the service is about to start. So he had to leave the man and go get ready to anchor the service. So after the service, he got home. He was like, God, you said you were going to come. I, I was waiting for you. Uh, so, you know, when, when God says he's going to come, you expect he's going to come uh, because he doesn't tell lies, right? He's going to come. Um, and he was expecting him to either come in the service in some form, sh- you know, shape or fashion. So the Lord said, I did come. And he said, uh-uh, if you came, I missed it. <laughs> and the Lord said, that was me that you gave the food to. That was me that you gave the clothes to. And and then the Lord told him some other things about the church and what he was doing in the in the church. So... As we were reading that, I was impressed to share that, because sometimes we expect God to come a certain way, and it doesn't come that way. Sometimes we expect our miracle to come a certain way, and it doesn't come that way. Amen? Remember um, Naaman, when he came to the prophet? He had faith, obviously, because he came to the prophet. There's a man of God in Israel. If you go to him, your leprosy will be gone. And the man of God said, go and wash in this stinky river, River Jordan. And of course, he got mad. You know the story. And they prevailed on him. Finally, he said, okay, I'll do it. He went and washed, and he became clean. Now, one thing that I want to point out in that story was he said to himself, I have prepared it in my head. He's going to come out, and he's going to wave his hand and call on his God and then I will be healed. In other words, he has prepared in his mind how God is going to meet that need, how God is going to meet that miracle, how it's going to happen. You know, Pastor Tom will pray and do prayer deliverance. There's nothing wrong with that. And do this and do this, and then I will be healed. No, your job is just to believe God. How God chooses to do it is outside your pay grade. Stay in your pay grade. (laughs) Leave God's pay grade alone. Amen? Amen. So sometimes, even in the area of finances, in the area of blessing, we think that, you know, the way that God will bless me is through my job. Well, God has a million ways to get a million dollars to you. A million ways to get a million dollars to you by Friday. (laughs) Amen? So we need to remember that. It's it's a word. Somebody received that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so uh, we need to understand. Um, sometimes you are entertaining angels unawares. You see people that are on the side of the road begging for money. Sometimes I'm like, is that the Lord? Is that is that an angel? You never know. Just be generous. Just be generous, and that's what the Bible is saying there. So the the. The portion that we are reading in Hebrews twelve and thirteen is talking about general conduct of a king and a priest. We've talked about that that we are kings and priests in the family, and we shall rule and reign on there. So it's beginning to wrap up this letter. Then he said, "Remember prisoners, as if chained with them." In other words, like you are tied to them, and those who are mistreated. We have forty days for life. We have people going into the prison. Uh, We are going out to support them. We are doing house of mercy. We are going out to feed those people. That's what he's talking about. Since you yourself are also in the body also, marriage is honorable. So he's now talking about marriage among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So he's beginning to address some core beliefs of us as believers, as kings and priests in the house of God. We should honor our marriage, the on the foul. And then he talks about, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now he's going to talk about leadership. Remember those who have rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering their the outcome of their conduct? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, that verse seems out of place. It's talking about leadership. It's talking about marriage, and then he just slapped Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right in the middle right there. I believe what he's saying is God never changes. When it comes to all of the things that I've been writing about, he never changes. He never changes his mind about marriage. He never changes his expectation about walking in love. He never changes his expectation about our rulership, our our position in Christ. He never changes. You know, covenant never changes. I've been studying covenant in more depth uh, over the last several weeks on a personal level. And I'm seeing, come on, some nugget that the Lord's beginning to show me about covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God. Yes. He operates in covenant. He, and, and I don't want to get into that rabbit trail. praise <laughs> the Lord. But uh, so he's beginning to talk about Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I remember I was meditating on this um, two years ago. You know, and I was just thinking about it. I said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because God spoke to me, said, time is a continuum. I was driving. I was driving from work and I was going. And then the Lord just spoke out of the blues. Time is a continuum. I was like, okay, thank you for sharing that. And I was like, what does that mean? So I go home and I sat down in my study. And the Lord began to speak to me about time. And time-space continuum, talking about physics. And how that connects with who the Lord is. And God said to me, he led me to this verse, Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He said, time is equal, if you want to do an equation, time equals yesterday, today, and forever. That's all of time. Uh-huh. Do you see that? Yesterday, today, and forever. That's all of time. And God said to me, time is a continuum. And the Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means Jesus Christ is the same at time zero, 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 000000. When God said, Let there be light, when He created the heavens and the earth, He is the same. Because He stands outside of time and created time. And when time wraps up, He's still the same. So everything that we have read about Him in the book of Hebrews is valid. The same Jesus that stood at the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth, is the same Jesus today. Because if that's not tr- if this verse is not true, then the rest of it is not true. Because he never lies. God never lies. God calls light out of darkness. He never lies. So it just kind of, it seems like a, an, it's out of place. But God, the author of this book, knows what he's doing. He's giving us some deep revelation relative to what he's been writing about in the book of Hebrews, beginning from chapter 1 to where we are now. Let's move on because of time. He said, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrine, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with food, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp therefore jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproaches you know we're still talking about the tabernacle and the the ministry of the priest and the, and how that ties into the ministry of our lord jesus christ 14. for we have a continuing city but we seek the one to come therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name but do not forget to do good and to share for with such a sacrifice God is well placed. Obey those who have rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief. For that will be unprofitable for you. He's talking about leadership again. In the church, there's a hierarchy. Amen. In the local church, the pastor is the head. Like it or lump it. Amen? It's an appointed authority by God. And so, some people still have issues with that. But that's, that's God. He's, talk, he's talking about appointed authority. But he's also talking about appointed authority in the political realm. Whether I like the man in the White House or not, God says we should pray for those who are in authority, Amen? Because they have rule over us so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life. So uh, m- people in the church sometimes, when I hear conversations, and you know, especially people that are on the other side and they are in the church, and they talk the way they are talking, especially with the current administration, I'm, I'm convinced in my heart they don't have revelation of this truth. Because if they do... they they will realize that they are working against the word of God. Whether I like his politics or not, I pray for him. I pray for those that have been appointed at every level. That's what God wants, especially in the church. Pray for your leaders because the Bible says here, they might give account. (laughs) So if somebody is a, a problem child in the church and the pastor is praying for him, you know, God... God is not happy about that. You're giving your pastor problem all the time, and he's praying for you. I'm just going to skip that one. Before you, before you give me the pink eye, Or <laughs> praise the Lord. Then he went on, talking about prayer. We talked uh, in depth about prayer. Your, one of your functions as a priest is in the place of prayer. And I admonished us that you should spend quality time in prayer. Your goal should be to always push the envelope in the place of prayer. Amen? Uh, For those that are filled with the Holy Ghost, you should pray at least 90% of your time in in the spirit. And then 10%. So the way I pray, I, I open it with what I know, and then I turn it over to the Holy Spirit and just cut loose. And... And you should also develop some stamina in the place of prayer. I mentioned the last time that some people, they can pray more than five minutes, and then they are done. And the reason they, they are done is because they are praying all their prayers in, in English or in their mother tongue. Because you can only pray what you know. You know, By the time five minutes is over, you're done. I pray for Pastor Tom, I pray for his wife, and then I pray for this person. And by the time five minutes is done, I'm done. But then you have to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. You have to develop some stamina. I mean, think about our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said routinely that he will pray all night. All night. I mean, think about that. All night. It wasn't like somebody's leading the prayer, because if somebody's leading prayer, you get some motivation, some energy from that. It was just him on his knees before the Father all night. Praise the Lord. We need to get to that place. You want to see the order of uh, lifestyle and miracles that Jesus experienced, we have to be willing to live like him. Because we are Christians, we are children of God. Let's copy our Father. So we talked about that. Uh, how to develop our prayer life and bring it to the next level. Challenge yourself. If you've never prayed an hour, nonstop, challenge yourself to pray an hour. If you've prayed an hour, challenge yourself to pray two hours. If you've done two hours, challenge yourself to move further, to keep moving, to keep moving, to keep moving, to keep moving. Praise the Lord. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on on that. So pray for us, for we are confident that we have a, a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorable but I especially urge you to do this that I may be restored to you sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you, what is well pleasing in the sight, in his sight, rather, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. He wrote 13 chapters. That's a few words. (laughs) Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who have rule over you, he's talking about leadership again, and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I put some notes here to kind of guide our conversation. Uh, When you look at Hebrews 11 to 13, it began to talk about faith. Uh, We are going to get into the hall of fame of faith. Um, I'm going to wrap up with that. And then it talks about, in chapter 12, the conduct of a believer. It talks to us about running your race without distractions. Distractions can come in different forms for different peoples run your race without distraction and he pictured an athlete that's preparing for an event so let's just call the event a race of a uh, hundred meter dash when they run if you remember back in the day in the 60s and the 50s their shorts are real short <laughs> really, really, really shorts. And the reason they wear that, the least amount of clothing is because it has the least amount of drag on them. They want their body to be free so that they can run. They want the aerodynamics of the body so that they can move. Their shoes, their training, everything is designed so that they can move. So the, the Word of God is telling us to cast away all distraction, every weight and sin, which Easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, there's a particular race that God has set before Christy that's different from mine. There's a particular race that God has set before Pastor Tom that's different from mine. So, I can be encouraged by the way he's running his race, but I got to run my race. I, I've, got, I've got to run my race. I cannot be looking at you when I'm supposed to be running. Because if I'm looking at you, then I'm not really running my race. I've got to focus on my race and, and be looking at the price. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, is looking at the finish. Is looking at the finish line. Endure the cross, despising the shame, and now sits down at the right hand of the Father. Amen? So... You have to run your race with endurance. There will be all kinds of distraction. Distraction can come from attacks of the enemy, mundane things of life, daily grind of money, no money, children problem, all kinds of stuff happening. Distraction. Stay the course. Run your race. Do not get distracted. Another one, he talks about the prayer life. I already talked about that. Your prayer life is very important. You cannot call yourself a follower of Christ with no prayer life. What's your prayer life look like? Is it the five minutes? There's nothing wrong with five minutes. You have to grow. You have to mature from milk to begin to eat some T-bones. Amen? In the spirit. You have to move from T-bone to eat some jambalaya and whatever else you like. You, you need to mature, amen? If your prayer life is the same as it was five years ago, are you, are you think you're growing? You've got to challenge yourself. You've got to challenge yourself. What, what would it feel like to, to wake up at 12 and pray for three hours, amen? Give up your sleep. You know, I learn, I've been learning something. If you want power in the spirit, if you want power in the Spirit, it's born out of sacrifice. Yeah. Sacrifice. That's where power lies in the Spirit. It's sacrifice. I can go into that rabbit but I don't think we have time for that. Power in the Spirit is born out of sacrifice. You discipline your flesh. That's what we do when we fast. You're telling your body you're going to quit eating the Twinkies. You're going to quit (laughs) eating no breakfast for you, no lunch for you. And guess what your body is doing? Your body is screaming at you, I want the food, I want the food, I want the food. And then sometimes headache will set in, and, And but you have to plow through it. You discipline your body. You know the Bible said Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he went out in the power of the Spirit. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the regions round about. Jesus became a different person. Forty days in the wilderness, he he submitted his body and, and crucified his body. For 40 days, he came out, that sacrifice, with power. With power. So you want to experience power in the spirit, you have to be willing to pay the price. You have to be willing to put the sacrifice on the altar. Amen? So we talked about that. And then he talked about our sexual life of a king and a priest. God requires holiness. God requires the bed undefiled. God requires you to be a man of one one woman or a woman of one man. No side person, no None of that. Praise the Lord. God requires that of us. Enough said on that. Relationship with leaders, both spiritual and natural, we already covered that. A reminder of our company in spiritual Mount Zion. Let's go to that. Hebrews 12. I want to talk about that briefly before I go into um, 12 um, to 11. Go back to 11. So the Bible says we have come unto Mount Zion. The city of our living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Praise Jesus. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm trying to find the best place to start. I'm sorry? First, Hebrews 12. 12 yeah, let's start from 22. The Bible says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of just men made perfect. So this verse is talking about a place. It's called Mount Zion. And then he begins to talk about the personalities that are there. He talks about God, the judge of all, the spirit of just men made perfect. And this gathering is called the General Assembly. The church of the firstborn, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, is talking about an innumerable company of angels. So you have angels. You have the spirit of just men made perfect, people that have gone on to be with the Lord. They have transitioned into glory. And we have innumerable company of angels. We have God in the midst of it, who is the judge of all. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, the firstborn, who is registered in heaven. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel see that you do not refuse him rather who speaks for if they did not escape who is who refused him who spoke on the earth much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven this general assembly is not an assembly down the street it's a spiritual gathering because all the personalities that are talked about are spirits The spirit of just men made perfect, the innumerable company of angels, the God, the judge of all, the spirit of just men that are gathered in this place. So this is Mount Zion. Amen. Do you know that we are part of that company? Because we are the church. You know, the church is in two places at the same time. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is on earth and also in heaven. So it's like you have a home in the town, and then you have a home in the country. So praise the Lord. So we happen to be, let's say, in the country, and they happen to be in town. We are just a church that are in two places. Amen? Amen? That's who you are. You are not just flesh and bone. You are a spirit. You have a soul and live inside a body. And you are not just uh, an any old spirit. You have been bought and washed by the blood of the lamb. You have been bought and washed by the, you know, you can never be more righteous right now than you will be when you are in heaven. Because righteousness is a gift. Amen. I didn't do anything to be righteous. Holiness is a different conversation. Righteousness means right standing with God. Yes. I can never be more righteous than I am right now, and it has nothing to do with how I feel about it. That's my body. That's the my body realm. I am righteous. I have right standing with God, and it ties to what we are talking about because it gives you access. We talked about access. Lisa talked about it. I talked about it. It gives you access. Because uh, if, you, and if you don't have access, you can't just walk up to God like we read in the Old Covenant. You drop dead. He's a holy God. <laughs> Amen? But he's giving us access through the t- tearing of the veil and the blood of Jesus Christ that was purchased, that, that has been used to purchase us. Praise the Lord. So we, we, we see what the Lord is showing us about this strange general assembly in heaven. And we are part of that company. Amen? We are part of that company. Now, I want to get back to Hebrews 11. I want to spend the rest of my time in Hebrews 11. If you can go quickly to Hebrews 11. Again, I want you to spend time with the Lord. I was meditating on this earlier today, and the Lord was ministering to me. So, there are two, two ways you get revelation. The Bible says, God has set in the church. false Apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers for the perfecting of the saints the edifying the building up edifice that's where the word edifying comes from edifice to the building up of the body so you get revelation through the fivefold but you also get revelation and this comes through the holy spirit by the way you also get revelation in your own personal time with the lord amen in your own personal time with the lord thank god for church Thank God for the fivefold ministry. They are they are set in the church for our, because the Lord is smarter than all of us. In case you don't know that, <laughs> and He's the head of the church. Amen. And He is the one that picks whoever He wills, so God can say, "Um, you know, Philip, I'm promoting you to the office of an apostle." Who am I to say why, Lord? He's the head of the church. Amen. He sets As he wills, and he appoints as he wills. So we get nourishment through the fivefold ministry, but we also get nourishment when we spend time with the Lord. I keep emphasizing that, whether it's your prayer life or your study life. You know, Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because you can wrongly divide the word of truth and get into error. So many, many people read that, they, they see it as Paul was writing to Timothy because he's a pastor of a local congregation. Yes, that is true, it's also writing to every believer, every child of God. You know, this book is a love letter of your father to you. When was the last time you read it? Some people complain that God doesn't speak to them. The foundation of God speaking to you is the word. If you are not going to read the word of God, why should God talk to you in your hearing or in your heart? Praise the Lord. So you need to make time Turn off the TV and be alone. Find some time to be with the Lord, whether it's in the morning or in the nighttime, whatever schedule works with you. You have to have some alone time. You know, thank God for the study we are doing. We are doing the study of Hebrews. Beginning next week, pastor and pastor, pastor and pastor, (laughs) they are going to begin to teach on breaking free. Be part of that. But you can have your own study that's going on. Sometimes your study might go for years because you are digging in and digging in and digging in. I don't know how people, you know, read you know, one chapter and then jump to the next chapter. I don't understand that. Because I'm stuck in verse 1. I'm like, okay, can you unpack that and, you know, dissect that and show me and show me? That's how you get revelation. You You ask God questions. Say, Lord... What does it mean? That's how, that's how the Lord began to show me Hebrews 13. What does Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, say, I kept asking that. He said, read it again. He said, read it again. Read it again. And then he began to speak to me through that. If you are not going to give God time, you know, think about your spouse. If you don't give your spouse any time of the day, there's a problem in that relationship. What about your relationship with the Lord? When was the last time you sat down and said, Lord, I want to teach me something? You know, he wrote the book. He he knows what's in the book. I'm just saying. He's the one that wrote the book. So this is very important. Thank God for what we do here and the teaching that you're getting here. But uh, the second stream, which in my opinion is probably the Lord's favorite because it's it's time with you. He's going to show you things. going to reveal things to you so open the bible and let him teach you amen that's for somebody today praise the lord so as i was preparing for this i was digging around digging around like i always do and i found this bible passage that we've talked about in hebrews 6 18 from international children's bible that translation I'm going to read it to you. It blew me away. It blew my socks off. Hebrews 6, 18. I'm going to read it from the International Children's Bible. The Bible says, these two, these two things cannot change. And I think they wrote it at the children's level. I, I want to learn at that level. And praise the Lord. It said, these two things cannot change. God cannot lie when he makes a promise. And he cannot lie when he makes an oath. These things encourage us when we come to God for safety. They give us strength to hold on to the hope we have been given. In simple language, God cannot lie when he makes an oath. God cannot lie when he makes a promise. Praise the Lord. God cannot lie. I'm impressed to share something, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit. So there was a story that I heard, a true story, of a lady and a husband. They were having trouble in their marriage. And so she kept praying. The man is practically a heeding. He does everything under the sun, and she's a righteous woman of God. She kept praying and praying. So one day, while she was praying, the Lord said, you and your husband, you are going to serve me. You are going to serve me together. So she held on to that. Instead of the husband getting better, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And she kept serving God and kept loving God and kept following God. So finally one day, the unthinkable happened. The knock on the door and the sheriff showed up and said, we need you to follow us and, uh, to the hospital. He was involved in a car accident and he died on the spot. So, follow the story. It, it, it's going to get good. <laughs> he died on the spot. And so, she got there. And while they were taking her there, she said, Lord, you told me that this man and I, we are going to serve you together. How is he going to serve you if he's dead? God can, I'm still talking about God who cannot lie, he bothers on. Covenant he is a covenant-keeping God. Remember, there is a story in John chapter eleven. I cannot remember it vaguely of a guy that died for four days, and God brought him back. You remember that guy? So she she got to the hospital, and they brought her to the room. Obviously, when somebody died, they would tell you to come and identify the body as a nest of Cain. So he got in there and. He looked at him, yeah, it's really him, and he's dead. He's gone. So he told the clinical people, he said, you know, I would like to have a moment with my husband. So they left the room. And when they left the room, you know what she did? She locked the door. So they were thinking, "Okay, maybe she needed some time to say a goodbye and all of that. So she started praying. Lord, you told me that this man and I were going to serve the Lord. One hour went by. Nothing, two hours, three hours. I'm trying to cut the story short. Four hours, five hours, nothing. She's, the guy is still dead, deader than dead. Six hours. By that time, the hospital staff, they reached out to the administrator and says, you know, something's going on here. Maybe we should call some other family member to come and, come and appeal to her. She's not supposed to be doing this. While they were doing that, They were also looking to see, maybe they will reach out to a facility, somebody to come and open the door because it's now six hours. What's going on in there? And they can hear her praying, speaking to God, seven hours, eight hours. Talk about, we talked about that last time, the kind of faith that does not stop, it has no period, it does not quit even in the face of literal death. Nine hours, 10 hours. By that time, they began to monkey with the door. So let's fast forward to 12 hours. It got to 12 hours. Nothing has changed. The man is still dead. So they were getting close to opening. You know, when the door is about to be open, you can see, you can tell that they are about to open the door. The people have gathered outside, the family members are gathered outside, and it is a sin going on outside. So finally, after 12 hours of praying, he said, Lord, I have prayed, and I've told you what you said. So I think it's, it's time I change gear a little bit. So let's call the name Bob, the name of the guy Bob, for the sake of the story. He said, Lord, I've talked to you. So now it's, I need to address this guy. He said, Bob, the Lord who made you, said, you and I, we are going to serve God together. So I command you in the name of Jesus to rise. By that time, the the door was about to open. And in the next second, the guy that has been dead for 12 hours came back to life. So when the door opened, they saw the two of them together. The nurses and everybody ran for the hills like, what is going on? I'm telling you, if you will not give up, if you will not give up, you know, I wrote something here. Um, We think if I believe God, and I've shared this in the last message, and a period of time have passed days, weeks, months, years, or perhaps the situation has gotten worse, then either I don't have faith. My faith is not working. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Uh, That's the strategy of the enemy to get you to quit. Amen? On the good days, the days that you feel like you are in faith, and some days that you feel like you cover your head with the uh, covers and just hide under the bed, it doesn't matter. You keep standing You keep standing you keep standing and when you can't stand stand some more you keep standing you keep standing with the understanding that god can never lie never he can never lie you know for us we choose to lie or to tell the truth but god can never lie i was explaining to my girls because we have a lot of conversations around the word of God. I said, it's like a fish can never walk because it doesn't have the physical structure to walk. It does not have legs. So a fish can never walk. God can never lie. It's practically impossible for God to lie. The issue is, am I willing to be like a bulldog and just stand my ground? I know I prayed and I believe, and nothing has changed. I went to the doctor, nothing has changed. I went the second time, nothing has changed. Am I wavering? Because nothing has changed. Or do I just stand there, having done all to stand, stand there for. Glory to God. Let's look at the Hebrews Hall of Fame and see these men. Remember last time I talked about uh, a teacher coming to open a subject to his pupils and beginning to start by showing examples. And that's what we find in Hebrews 11. He starts by talking about now faith is the substance of things so forth, the evidence of things not seen. For by, it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, we are able, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Let's go there. So we begin to see the examples. I want to read us some examples of men and women that we find in Hebrews 11, and how they stood their ground. By faith, Abel, verse 4, offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Though he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, even though he's dead, he's still speaking. You know, our life transcends this life that we live. Because you are a spirit, spirits never die they only transition into one or two places, go to heaven or go to hellfire. Those are the two choices. Spirits never die. And those that are in hell, they don't die. And that's where the punishment lies. They continue their punishment forever and ever and ever. And those that go to heaven, they continue the enjoyment forever and ever and ever. So we don't die. I want to say to you, my brothers and sisters and the Lord, There is nothing, absolutely nothing, including death, that the power of faith cannot overcome. There is nothing. Nothing. Let me say to these people over here, (laughs) nothing. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And the folks that are on on, on the streaming, nothing. No matter how bad it is no matter how bad it is. Because if you spend time and look at this God and look at his track record, you think God is going to mess up his record on your account? He has a perfect batting average. Perfect. He's not going to mess up his record on your account. No. He's not about to mess up his record on your account. But you have to dig your heels say, I'm planting my feet right here. This is where I stand. And I'm not moving. Come hell or high water. On the good days and the bad days. When the result turns from bad to worse, I keep believing. I keep trusting. I keep believing. I keep trusting. Amen? And when you do that, the situation is going to turn. Amen? The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. No matter how long the night is, joy is coming in the morning. Glory to God. I'm trying to hold myself from preaching tonight. I've got to teach. Joy comes in the morning. There's nothing, HIV, cancer, coronavirus, generational curse, family problem, uh, disease that is named the bible says god has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name that at the name of jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father we think it's just all of us you know we bow down we worship god no 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 that's part of it but can some bow to that name Cancer must bow to thy name. HIV bows to thy name. He knows thy name. Because cancer was defeated at the cross. Amen? He was defeated at the cross. All of the diseases known to man, all of the sicknesses, all of the things that came out of the curse of sin was defeated on Calvary. It was defeated. Jesus won the victory. The Bible says, having small principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. He won the victory. So it doesn't matter what the situation is. If you and I can hold on to God, we are coming out on the other side. We are coming out on the other side. We are coming out on the other side. One of the things that defeats children of God is we go by experience. You know, we look at sister so-and-so, she believed God for many, many years, and she died. We know brother so-and-so, I'm not trying to pull anybody down, no. She, they believed God for many, many years. The Bible says the secret things belong unto God, and that which is revealed unto us, they are for me, for us, and for our children forever. So I'm not going to judge brother Sally's, I mean brother so-and-so's faith or sister so-and-so's faith, but this is my faith. I'm going to stand. I'm basing my faith on thus hear the Lord, not somebody else's experience, what, whether they went over. Thank God for testimonies. Do you know the Bible never said testimonies produces faith? No. The Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen. Faith does not come by hearing testimonies. It will encourage my faith. Your testimony will encourage my faith. But faith comes from the word. So I'm not building my faith on somebody's testimony because it doesn't come through that. It comes by the word. So whether this person over there has a good experience or not, it's irrelevant. Thank God for it, but I build my faith on what this book said, and that's it. I build my faith on what this book said. So we don't build our faith on what somebody else went through or did not go through. I build my faith on what this book said. Period. End of story. So now let's look at some examples of the elders that obtained a good testimony what can this faith do faith is so important that without it we cannot please god hebrews 11:6 the bible said by faith in verse 5 enoch was translated <laughs> nyah, 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 nyah. by faith he stepped out of this dimension into that other dimension by faith how do you even do that where is the path Is there a key that opens the door to that realm? We don't, we haven't plumbed the depth of faith. It said by faith, it was translated. (laughs) Begin to see what your faith can do. The Bible says by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed or to get pregnant at an old age. Medically, it should not happen. Medically, you should not get well. But I'm not talking medicine to you right now. I'm talking the word of God. Amen? Medically or naturally, this and that should not happen to you. But if you can believe, Jesus told Mary and Martha in John chapter 11, did I not say to you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of the Lord? And it does not matter what has transpired up until that time. In fact, if you go to Mark chapter 5, remember Jairus came to Jesus on behalf of his daughter. And he said, Master, if you come and lay your hands on my daughter, she's going to be well, I believe. And, oh, that's wonderful. That's good faith. But guess what? As they were about to leave, the situation had gotten from bad to worse. Say said, trouble not the master. She's dead. It's now beyond him. He don't worry the master anymore. It was good before she died, but now she's dead. But the devil is a liar. <laughs> Woo! The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Yeah. She's dead. In other words, the situation has gotten from bad to worse the doctor's diagnosis, instead of getting better, is getting worse. And that's when the power of my king shines the most. Come on, church. That's when the power of Jesus shines the most. It doesn't matter. You know what Jesus told them? Do not be afraid. Keep believing. Did you not, Jesus, did you not hear what they said? Maybe we should translate it in English. Or maybe we should speak it to you in Greek or Aramaic. No, 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 no. He heard what they said. It doesn't matter because he is the resurrection and the life. He knows what he is going to do. He has all power. Oh, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord God Almighty sitting on the throne unperturbed with all power in his hand the Bible said once as God spoken twice I have heard it that power belonged to God why do you think God has power to help you to set the captives free to release the captives and you know what happened with Jairus he got to the house true to their word the daughter is truly dead but because he is the resurrection and the life. He went into the room, he said, Talita kumi, meaning daughter I say unto you, arise. And she came back to life and said, give us something to eat. So you, we have to register it in our brain. The, the passage of time is irrelevant. The passage of time is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. That's one of the strongholds of the enemy. It tells me, it tell, because when you start believing God, it's like you are believing God like a f- mountain of fire. And then all of a sudden you see the light begin to go down, begin to go down. It's like, ah, maybe, it's, maybe, maybe, maybe God is going to do it this way. And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I should try this, maybe I should try that. No, 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 no. Keep on believing, keep on standing. Now, when I read Hebrews 11, Something happened there that I thought, "Mm, I need to talk about this. The Bible said about the elders, these all died in faith. This is verse 13. Let's look at verse 13. The Bible says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, Embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Wait a minute, it looked like they didn't get what they believed. That's what it looked like. But I want to show you what the verse is actually talking about. If you jump down to verse number, uh, let's go to verse 14. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly, if they had called to mind that country which they came out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, let's go to uh, 12, verse 23. I want to tie it together, and we're going to come back to Hebrews 11, 12, verse 23. The Bible says, to the general assembly, the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of just men, made prophet. So the promise that they died in faith in is the promise of that glorious home. Because Sarah got pregnant. She believed God, and she got pregnant. She got her faith, right? Enoch was translated by faith. So his faith produced. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice by faith. You know, theologians tell us that the reason that God accepted the offering of Abel was because it was an offering with blood. I think there's some dimension of truth to that. Meanwhile, the brother offered something without blood, because he, he had plants. The Abel offered something with life, with blood. I think there's one dimension of that. But what the Bible said was, by faith, Abel offered unto God. So let's not add to the Bible. The Bible said, by faith, he offered unto God. So when you bring an offering unto God, no matter what it is, whether it's your worship, whether it's your money, whether it's your time, if you don't offer it by faith, it's, impossible to please him hebrews eleven six. i don't care how well you dance you are the best dancer in the world you are the best singer in the world you are the best preacher in the world if it's not done by faith it does not please him it does not please him that's the word so you have to do it by faith if you want it to be accepted if you want it to be received by god So that's what that scripture is is talking about, the final culmination of all of us getting into heaven. That's what they believed, because the Bible said about Abraham that he was seeking a country whose maker and builder is God. Abraham was seen into our time. He was seeing the holy city that the Lord will promise under the new covenant. And that's why the father was like, man, this is my man. And that's why we are children of Abraham, joint heirs. You know, we claim Abraham's blessings are mine. This man believed God to a point that God said, okay, that's it. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your seed. Because he saw into the plan of God, even in the new covenant. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. So Hebrews 11 is a hallmark of Men and women that have like passions like you and I, they went through real problems like you and I. They were not able to conceive. They had money problems. They had enemies that was arrayed against them. They had challenges in their personal life. And by faith, they overcame. The Bible said women got their dead raised back to life. It's in Hebrews 11. You know, when you talk about sickness, the, when, you, when you look at in the kingdom of darkness, the highest ranking person in that ranking is death. Because if you still have cancer, at least you are still alive. If you have MS, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, if you have any type of disease that's leading to death, At least you are still alive. But the moment it culminates in death, death is like the gatekeeper. It's like, okay, I'm standing here. It's it's over. I lock the door. But he has power over the grave. Jesus has power over the grave. When is the church going to get back to believing God for what our patriarchs did? Amen? Do you know that Paul rose somebody from the dead. He was preaching like me, a long-winded preacher. And I think it was Malchus. He fell out on the window and he died. You know, the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit and it doesn't tell lies. So he really died. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. He really died. And and everybody in the church were like, oh, now what? Because, of course, somebody just died in church in the middle of a service. He said, don't worry, don't worry. And then he brought Marcus back, and he's alive. Uh Just like that. Like, you know, gave him talano, and he's (laughs) all right. Gave him spiritual Tylenol, and he's back in the land of the living. Amen? And then he continued preaching. And the Bible said the disciples were greatly encouraged, because they just saw a resurrection. Praise the Lord. I told us last time, that in order for your faith to work, you have to get out of the boat. You have to get out of the boat. So when I preach and say that Jesus is a miracle worker, when I preach and I say that Jesus would do A, B, and C, then I have to step, me, the preacher, I have to step out of the boat and believe to see him do it. Amen? And you, that you are listening, you also have to believe to see him do it. And then we continue to stretch our faith. We continue to stretch our faith, and we begin to see miracles happen in our midst, just like we are reading in the book of Acts. That's, that's, that. So, as a preacher, you just don't just preach and say, oh, praise the Lord, let's go, and then that's the end of it. No, you step out of the boat and lay hands on the sick. You step out of the boat and pray for people, expecting Jesus to perform what he said he would do. And you, as the recipient, expecting Jesus to perform what he said he would do. Oh, yeah, but we prayed last week and you want to pray again i'll give you an example the example of our lord jesus christ the bible said there was a man that they brought to him he was blind and the bible said he took him by the hand and led him outside the city now there's some things that i studied that i read about that that he didn't want to do the miracle in the city because he had already placed a curse on that city so he led him outside the city and then the bible said he put his hand on him he said, do you see? He said, I see men walking like trees. Remember the story? This is Jesus, by the way, not bishop. <laughs> and then he did it again. Jesus touched him twice. And then he said, I see men. I see plainly. So I'm going to pray the second time. I'm going to pray the third time. In fact, the more you pray in faith, it shows the tenacity of your faith. It shows that you believe. Not the other way around. It shows that you are still in faith. Amen? Not the other way around. The fact that you've prayed 50 times, it means nothing. You keep praying, you keep standing, you keep believing. Glory to God. You keep believing God until your manifestation comes. With the understanding in the back of your mind that God cannot lie. He just can't. Please help me tell your neighbor he just can't. It's impossible for him to lie. So what we are reading here, they are true. They are not suggestions. They are not opinions. They are true. So when are we going to take God at his word? Like that lady. One hour, two hours, three hours, 12 hours. I don't care. I know what God spoke to me. This man and I, we are going to serve God together. And the word came to pass. Sometimes we give up too soon. You are just about to enter into your breakthrough, and then you give up. You are just about to enter into your healing, and then you give up. No, 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 that's not, that's not the bloodline of this family we belong to. Your papa never gives up. No, 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 no. He stood at the tomb of Lazarus. He said, Father, I know that you always hear me. I'm saying it for the benefit of these people and those that will read it after. Lazarus, come out. Just like that. Somebody say, just like that. Just like that. And I prophesy to somebody tonight, your miracle is going to manifest just like that. Just like that. You wake up one day and the sickness is gone, just like that. You wake up one day and your family is back together, just like that. You wake up one day and that financial problem is gone, just like that. Your part is to stand in faith, amen, stand in faith. And see, these men and women that we read about, the Bible talked about Gideon or Barak, Samson, Jephthah, talked about Moses, talked about women, receiving their dead back to life, talked about the Shunammite woman, talked about men and women, men and women, men and women, they had seemingly nonsense faith. You know, the Shunammite woman told the man of God, did I not tell you, leave me alone, man of God? Don't lie to me. I did not ask for a child. Now this child is dead. You figure it out. Between you and God, work it out. All I know is I'm living with a living child. Dogged kind of faith. Dig your heels kind of faith. I, don't, don't misunderstand me. There will be days that you don't feel like digging your heels. Those are the days that you get your Bible or you get your audio Bible and let it preach to you. Oh, I, I've done this in the past. When things are going on, I'll call my pastor. My pastor in Minnesota, I'll say, Pastor, preach to me. Amen. So the first time I did, he said, well, huh? I said, preach to me. Tell me that God is good. Tell me that my baby will live. Tell me that this is going to pass. These two shall pass. And then he begins to quote the word. Because the energy in me was not just there. It wasn't there. So I went to him. I said, preach to me. Tell me the word. Tell me that this is going to pass. Tell me. And then he began to quote John chapter 11. You know about Lazarus. And then he began to preach it to me. I said, okay, 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 I'm good. I'll see you later. Glory to God. You maintain your faith, no matter what. You know what God told Peter. He said, "I have prayed for you that your faith faileth not." That's King James. That your faith fails not. And when you are restored, strengthen the brethren. That your faith does not fail. That's what Jesus said. I have prayed for you that your faith does not. Because if you don't have failure of faith you will see the glory of the lord amen praise the lord oh yeah 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 where did the time go glory to god so we are going to practice what this word said we've we've studied hebrews 11:1 to i mean hebrews 1 to 13 obviously we cannot cover everything the time that we have between lisa and i so many nuggets to cover But I encourage you as a person, as an individual, as a family, study it on your own. Study some more. Dig in, Mm -hmm. dig in, and the Lord will show you. So we are going to practice what the word says. The Bible says this, sign shall follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. I believe that. How many of you believe that? And so we are going to pray just like we did last time. We are going to lay hands on the sick, and we are going to believe God for Jesus to make good what his word says. Amen? So if anybody wants to be prayed for tonight, please come. Let's, let's do it. Let's believe God together. Let's stand together and trust God for a miracle to manifest.